It's good to see all of you today. I was gone last week. I was in uh, St. Louis at this time last week, and, and I'm glad to be back. But before, um, before we jump into God's Word, um, I want to share with you something that's happening, and, and we're going to celebrate this and share a lot more about it in the days to come. But I want you to be thinking and, and praying um, for the church, especially this evening. Um, I know I've made mention of it before, and maybe you've noticed that there is a group that during our service is meeting in the youth room. And that is, that is a group, um, it's a Korean service. They have a Korean speaking service. And, and we were approached um, several months ago um, by a group that wanted to be a part of what we're doing here and wanted to start a church here in our church. And so we are really excited um, to have this Korean, it's going to be called the Korean PAC ministry, and that is the parent-affiliated congregation. So basically what that is, it's a church plant within our church. And so every week, and sometimes they come in this service, but, but most weeks they're back in the teen room having their service. And tonight, I want you to be praying and, and thinking about our board, because tonight uh, we're doing a really cool thing. We're interviewing um, the potential pastor for this Korean group. And so we are so excited to be able to partner with them. And, and I don't know about you, but you know, we pray for, for other countries. We pray for other churches. <clears throat> but I just believe that, that what we're doing here is much bigger than just us. And so I am thrilled to see the kingdom being built through other churches, through other ministries. And, and I'm really excited about um, this group. They are going to be a part of our church. And you're going to see them at events. They're going to be joining us. They are us. And so we are thrilled to be able to interview a pastor tonight for that church. So be praying for us. And then I just want to tell you a little bit about my trip. Uh, my trip that I went on was I went to St. Louis. I have a couple buddies that became pastors around the same time I did. And, um, and we get together every once in a while and we get away and we talk about ministry and, and we try to just kind of recharge and, and get ideas from each other. And so I was sitting in St. Louis last week and I, I'm just going to be honest with you, you know, I think in the days leading up to a vacation day, I'm pretty excited. I'm thinking I've got a week off. I don't have to worry about this week. But I'll be honest with you, I was sitting in, in a Nazarene church in St. Louis last week thinking... Man, I wish I could be at church. Man, I wish I could be preaching. Man, I wish I, wish I was there with them. And, and so it, in, in the days leading up, I'm excited. And then in the day of, it's like, man, I miss you guys. And, and I just, I, wanted, I was watching the service with you online. I was actually sitting in the pastor's office watching the service. And, and that was kind of a mistake because of Memorial Roll, I hadn't really thought through the fact that Memorial Roll would have some of my family in it. I'm sorry. This happens. And, and I'm sitting there watching the service, and I'm enjoying it, and, and that comes, and, and, and I start crying, get emotional, and then I get to walk into a service with a bunch of people I've never met before with puffy, teary eyes. And so there's a lot of people in St. Louis that think I'm crazy, and... Uh, and they're not wrong, but, um, but I'm thrilled to be with you. And, and I, am, I went away to recharge the battery and, and to just get some, some new ideas. And, and I got to tell you, I, I am so excited to dive into God's Word. And we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy. Um, Pastor Jay started us last week in that, and we're going to go this in a couple more weeks. And, and I 
there are so many great things in 2 Timothy that I wish I had about 20 Sundays to go through this series and preach all of the different themes, and, and we could do that, but I'm, I'm probably packing like seven sermons into one today, so I should probably wrap up my intro and get into the sermon itself, but this is good stuff. And so I want to ask you, through the next three weeks, I want to ask you to be reading 2 Timothy along with us. I want you to be reading it every day. There, this is incredible stuff, and so we're going to read through it, we're going to work through it, but I want you to be reading through it with us at home as you study, as you read, as you pray. So another trip that I had the opportunity to go on about a month ago is I went down to Nashville. We, me and a couple guys went down for the, uh, for the NFL draft. And I honestly went down because I used to live in Nashville and I wanted to go to Nashville. And one of the things I did while I was there is I went back to Trevecca Nazarene University, which is where I did my undergrad work, and, and I, I had to go back to the school. And so I went back, and I actually, I didn't know this was the case, but it was their last day of classes before they let out for the summer. And so I got there and I said, hey, are, are any of the people that I would know here? And they said, well, Tim Green is here. Now, Tim Green is the reason that I went to Trevecca. Well, Tim Green and scholarships were the reason that I went to Trevecca. And, and so I said, oh, man, I got to catch him. He was in the middle of the class. So I said, I got to go down there. They said, yeah, just go wait outside. So I went and stood outside the class and just waited there. And then he dismissed. And, and all of a sudden, I got the opportunity to stand and talk with somebody who had poured into my life, somebody who had been such a mentor to me. And so we sat there and talked for like an hour. And I was just, it brought back all of these memories of, of my, my college time and, and his classes. And I just love the way, some of you have heard Tim Green speak. He just makes the Bible come alive in a way that few people can. And so it was just great to catch up. But he is someone, he is one of those teachers, one of those mentors that really, really made a difference in my life. Do you have someone like that in your life? Can you remember back to a teacher or a mentor that really poured into you that, can you remember? Nod your head if so. Am I, am I all alone in this? Okay, so <laughs> you're going to participate now. I want you to turn to someone next to you and I want, I want you to tell them the person that made the biggest difference in your life. Go ahead. Could be a favorite teacher. Could be a, a Sunday school teacher. Could be a, a pastor, could be a pastor wearing a blue shirt, I don't know, you know, that'd be cool. No, I didn't hear any of that, okay. Well, Tim Green meant a lot to me. Let me tell you how I ended up at Trevecca. I was looking at Mount Vernon Nazarene University and Olivet and, and Trevecca, and, and I went up to Mount Vernon, and it's a great school. My whole family went to Mount Vernon, but I went to Trevecca at the time we were actually living there in Nashville, and I sat down with Tim Green in his office, and I was talking about my decision, and he didn't try to sway me. He didn't try to do anything. He said, you know what? Let's pray about what God's going to do in your life, and I was like, that's it. This is because I could tell that Tim Green, the dean of religion at Trevecca Nazarene University, he wasn't trying to wow me with his credentials or his anything like that. He cared about me. 
And he cared about what happened in my life. And so today we're going to look at 2 Timothy. And the reason I love this scripture so much is because the, the book of 2 Timothy is a letter that Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy. And Paul, we'll see it here in just a second, Paul cares about him. And, and Paul thinks about him and, and wants him to do well and wants to invest in him. He's invested a lot in him already, but he wants to push Timothy on to serve and follow his calling. And so when I think about those people that have influenced us, I know there's a couple teachers here today that were major influence in our graduates' lives. As we think about those people, it, it made me think about this relationship between Paul and Timothy. And so to set this up, you know, Paul wrote quite a few of, of the texts in the Bible. He, quite a bit of the New Testament is, is written by Paul. And this is his last letter. And he's writing it, as he does several of them, from jail. And Paul knows that he's coming to the end of his time of ministry. In fact, I think Paul knows when he's writing this that his time as a whole is drawing near an end. He's on trial, he's in, in jail, and, and he knows that he's poured his whole life out to serve God, to build the kingdom. He's done all of this, but he knows that his time is coming to an end. And so he's writing this letter to Timothy, and sure enough, scholars believe that this, this letter was written about a year before Paul was executed. And so he's writing this letter to Timothy, he's writing it to try to spur him on to step into his calling. He's, uh, the, the name of our series is Passing the Baton. Basically what he's trying to do in this text is to pass the baton to Timothy, his protege. And so, so thinking of that, keeping that in mind, let's read 2 Timothy chapter 1, 1 through 5. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and keeping the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, listen to this, to Timothy, my dear son, he was his spiritual father. Paul was Timothy's spiritual father. He says to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now also lives in you, or now lives in you also. And so what we hear Paul saying right here at the beginning, we see a couple things, but we're talking about passing the baton, and essentially what he's trying to do is call Timothy to take the baton and go forward. So we see two things in this first text. The first thing is this, that Paul has great love for Timothy. He views him like a son. And so think about this, Paul is in prison Paul knows his time is coming to an end, and what does he say? He says, I think of you all the time, and I love you, and I, I think about your, your heritage and your history, and I pray for you. What an awesome thing. I, was, I am so blessed to have people that have been pouring into my life, whether it's my parents, whether it's teachers, 
As we were at Treveca, we were reminiscing on different teachers that we had, and two of the special teachers that I had, aside from Tim Green, uh, were, were two great people of the church. And one of those was Millard Reed. He was the, the school president, and I had the opportunity my senior year to take a class with Millard Reed. And in all honesty, when we talk about Paul and where he was in his journey of life, it's pretty similar to where Millard Reed was. He was He was struggling, his health was failing, and I had the opportunity to be one of the last classes that got to hear from him. And a man who had pastored many years and poured his life into ministry, it was like he sat there every day just pouring his heart out to us because he wanted to pass the baton to the people who would continue the work that he had been doing. Another professor I had who was awesome was Dr. William Greathouse. He was one of the general superintendents of the Church of the Nazarene. That's kind of like our Pope. We have six of them. There's six general superintendents. They're the, the high up level. They're, they're the main guys. And so Dr. Greathouse had been one of them. And I had the opportunity to take his class. And you know what he did in his class? He just read us his book. And it was amazing. But the thing I loved about Dr. Greathouse is that he had been a general superintendent. He had been a pastor. He had been a leader for many years, but he, he cared, and he wanted to pass the baton on. And so we see in this text that that's where Paul is. He's done great things. He's written things. He's built the church, but he wants to hand the baton to Timothy, who he loves. And so the first thing we see is this, this love between them. And the truth is, our ministry is not meant, our calling is not meant to be lived by ourselves. It's meant to be shared with others, and we are called to pass the baton forward. A couple weeks ago, we finished our, our vision series by talking about forward, that we're going to invest in our future. We are called not just to do great ministry now, but to be planning and working and investing to hand that baton forward to the future generations. And so, so Paul has this great love for Timothy because they share one calling. They share one Lord. They share one faith. They're together. They're father and son spiritually. You probably have some people like that in your life. The second thing we see is Paul talks about Timothy's heritage of faith. He says, he says the faith that your grandmother Lois has and, and your, your mother Eunice had, I see it in you. And so what Paul's trying to do here is he's trying to help Timothy understand that the, the calling and the faith in his life is bigger than him. It came from people before him. And so he wants him to understand the importance of what he's doing so he can pass the baton on one of the most important parts of our ministry is passing the baton to those that will carry on after us. And that's what this letter is all about, passing the baton. We can be as great as we want to. See, in a, in a relay race, there's usually four people. And so as we talk about passing the baton, we understand that we are just a part of this race, of this journey that's, that's being run. We, we do our, they call it, legs of the race. And so Paul has come, is coming to the end of his leg of the race, and he's passing the baton. So you see him running, and you see someone else reaching back, and they pass the baton. We are called, listen, we can't let the work end with us. God's kingdom will continue to be built in the future, and so we have to pass the baton. 
Like a relay team, we pass the baton. So Paul understands something really important, and that's that ministry is great. He's poured his life out, but just as important as him pouring his life out is him investing in Timothy. And so he passes the baton. He's given his life, and now he's passing the baton to Timothy. And so he continues on in chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. Let's read this together, and, and this is... This is what you should read all week this week. Just read this over and over again. It's great. For this reason. So what is this reason? His spiritual heritage, the people that have gone before him. What is for this reason? He's saying because of the people that have gone before you and the great calling that's been placed on your life. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit, of, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of, me as, or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us. To, to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, <clears throat> our Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering. Yet this is no cause for shame. And this is, these are great words. You've heard this if you've heard him saying before. For I know whom I have believed. And am convinced that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day. And verse 13. What you heard from me. Keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit that, that is, who lives in us. So Paul is passing the baton. He calls into, into question. He, he talks about his heritage in the past and he says, the, my ancestors served and they handed it to me and your grandmother and your mother handed it to you and you have faith. So now for that reason, fan the flame. Carry on. Join me. Because the Spirit of God gives you a spirit of boldness, not a, a timid spirit, but a spirit of boldness to carry on the work that God has called you to do. And then he talks about this great calling. Let's, let's work through this. Timothy's been given a gift. Did you know that you have been given a great gift? And, and we're not talking about the gift of salvation. That is a great gift. But you have been given the gift of being passed the baton from those that have come before us to carry that baton and do the work of God in the church and building God's kingdom today, now. You have been given this gift. If you are here today, you have been given the gift that, that Christ wants you to know him, to know his work, and to participate in his work to change the world, to bring about the kingdom. And so Paul says, Timothy, you've been given this gift. We have been given a gift to serve God, 
to carry on the work. And so the first thing he says is he says, fan the flame. This, is, this could be a sermon all in itself. Fan the flame of that gift. Fan the flame. You've been given this gift. Don't sit on it, but fan the flame. Let it grow. Let, it, let your passion, let the fire inside of you grow so that you can do the work that you've been called to do. How many of you have ever built a fire? Okay, I am an expert in fires. I'm not really. They make these cool fire starter bricks that you just light and then it starts the whole thing. But, but and I've watched a lot of survival shows, so I consider myself an expert. Because you, you watch those survival shows and they get a little tinder bundle. And then they have their sticks ready and their fire ready. And they get that tinder bundle and they get it to light. And what do they do when they get a little bit of light in that, in that tinder bundle, bundle? What do they do? They blow on it, they breathe into it, because breath or wind fans the flame, and all of a sudden, when they breathe on this little bundle of sticks or whatever, usually it's straw or something like that, boom, it catches on fire. And then they put it in the fire, and boom, it catches on fire, maybe not that quickly. But this says, fan the flame. The gift that you've been given is like a fire that's been put inside of you. Not just the salvation, but the calling that God has for you. And Paul is saying, Timothy, you've got this fire inside you. Don't let it go out. Fan the flame. Get it going. When a fire is dying, what can you do? You blow into it. And what happens? The fire grows. Here's the thing. If you build a fire and you just leave it, what happens? It dies. You have to fan the flame. You have to add to it. If you don't, that fire will die. And the truth is, we've been given a gift. We've been called into ministry. And the truth is that we have a tendency to kind of lose the fire inside of us. You know this is true. You know this happens. That that at one point, you were probably spiritually on fire. And you said, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I want to serve you. I want to reach my neighbors. I want to serve everyone. I want to do everything I can for you. But, but our tendency is to go from the fire to backing off and getting comfortable. And if we don't fan the flame, if we don't continue to, to work on the fire, if we don't continue to pour into the fire, if we don't continue to get, to get the, the air into the fire, then it's going to go out. And we won't be bold to do what God has called us to do. And so Paul says, Timothy, fan the flame. Get get that fire going. Your passion to serve God needs to be continually fanned into flame. I know there's some of you today that you're on fire. You're like, yes, I will go anywhere. I will do anything. But there's probably some of you here today that would say, I used to be on fire for God but I feel like I've just kind of gotten comfortable. And that fire just doesn't seem to be burning like it used to. Paul says, don't let that happen. you got to fan the flame, get that fire going. And this, listen, I, I don't want you to hear me wrong. This isn't about some sort of emotional, like we just get hyped up type thing. This is about serving God with everything we have. This is about being 
right where we need to be with Christ so that when we are called upon, we are ready in, in a bold way to do the work that God has for us. And so Paul says, fan the flame, get that fire going, don't let your fire die out, but get it going. So how do we fan the flame? How do we make sure that the fire and the calling that God's put in our hearts doesn't die? I've got a few things. Number one, we've got to stay in God's word. We've got to stay in God's word. You need to be reading God's word. God's word works in your life. God's word is, it works in your life when you read it. Even if you've read a passage a hundred times, if you read it the hundred and first time, guess what? God can blow wind into your fire and catch it on fire and boom, there you go. Read the word. Stay in the word. God's word keeps the fire going. Number two, I thought about this last night. We were actually having a bonfire. You know what helps fires continue going? If you keep adding wood. If you keep adding wood all around it, it's the same way for us. If we want the fire to continue to go, then guess what we need to do? We need to surround ourselves with other people who are on fire. We don't live this life alone. Last night when it was time to put the fire out, you know what you do? You spread those logs out. You separate them from each other because a log by itself will not continue to burn for very long. The fire goes out. It's the same with us. If you're on fire for God, but, but you don't surround yourself with other people who are going to catch fire with you, you will eventually, that fire will wither away and die out. And so we stay in God's word. We surround ourselves by other people who are on fire to, to help each other and lift each other up. And then number, th number three, we rely on the spirit. We serve we live, we, we read God's word, we pray, and we allow the spirit of God that lives inside of us. Verse 14 says, guard the deposit that's entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the spirit who lives in you. And so we allow the spirit to, to stir us up, to get the fire going. And so Paul call, talks about his heritage, and he calls him to take the baton, and he says, take this baton and fan the flame. Get that fire going. Listen, I knew I was going to spend all my time on this one point, but listen to this. This is so important. We cannot become a comfortable, complacent church. We cannot become comfortable, complacent Christians. We are called to be following Christ with everything we have to be on fire for God. So that when the task comes, when there's a chance, when there's a tornado, we have the opportunity to go and show God's love. When people around you are hurting, you have the opportunity to be hope and a light to them. And so fan that flame. Keep it going. It goes on. And it's, he says this, he says, so, for the Spirit does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. See, we fan the flame because the flame needs to be burning so that we can have the boldness to serve, to do what we're called to do. Listen, if anybody knew this, it was Paul. Paul had been put in prison time and time again. Paul had been shamed by others. And Paul says, fan that flame because the spirit, when it blows into you and the fire goes, you won't be timid, but you'll be bold. Listen, we are called to be a people that are bold for Christ. 
We are called to love people boldly, to stand for, for God boldly. We are not called to be timid and passive. We are called to be change agents in the world around us. And so fan it into a flame because the Spirit will give us boldness. I just met with somebody this week. I visited somebody from the church, Mary Wells. And she hasn't been feeling really good and, and she's in a nursing home, but I said, how are you doing? And she said, you know, I felt better. And I talked to her a little bit more, and one of the things she said that just lines up so perfectly with what we're hearing from Paul is she said, I thank God every day that I have that I can share God's word with other people. Man, that's a boldness. Think about Paul in chains and prison. He knows his time is nearing an end, but he wants to pour himself out. He wants to pass the baton so others can know Christ. If we are empowered by the Spirit, we will be bold. And we will thank God for every opportunity we have to share the hope of Christ. When you, when you fan the flame, God's Spirit gives you boldness to fulfill the calling that's put on your life. He goes on, he says, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord uh, or of me as a prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Now, this doesn't sound fun. Join me in suffering. But we saw earlier that Paul loves Timothy. Paul has poured his whole life out for Timothy. And so Paul isn't saying, join me in suffering because it's going to be bad for you. Paul is saying, I have given everything I had to God to build the kingdom, and guess what? You should too, because the truth is, suffering for Christ is better than prospering for ourselves any day of the week. And so Paul says, fan the flame, let the Spirit work in your life, do not be ashamed, but, but understand that you have a high calling, join me, take the baton and go. We should never let opposition or negativity cast shame on our calling. You are called by the God of the universe to work for his purposes. Listen to, to verse 9. Listen to this again. He has saved us. He has called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And keep listening. This is good stuff. This grace was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. This calling that we have, this purpose, was given before the beginning of time. Do you understand that what we're doing here today isn't just a something we do once a week. It's not just a feel-good, come-together. We are a part of something that God has been doing since the beginning of time and will go on for eternity. And so we can't be ashamed of our calling, but we should fan the flame because we have a holy calling to work for God's purposes. And then verse 12 says, that's why I'm suffering as I am, but this is no cause for shame because I know I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Here's the thing. If you've served God for a long time, you know this. It is worth everything because God is good 
and God's love for us and God's grace. He saved us by his grace. He's called us to a holy purpose. We're not just sitting in chairs today. We are called to a holy purpose to serve God. And so he says, fan the flame, keep it going. And then the last thing he says is, you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching. And then in verse 14 he says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So I want you to get this picture. We're going to get the big picture, and then we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to focus on Christ, and then we're going to go out of here, and we're going to be on fire. So here's the big picture. You've seen, you've got a heritage. People have gone before you. They've poured into you. Teachers, professors, parents, grandparents, Sunday school teachers, they've poured into you. You've got a rich history of people that have poured into you and have passed the baton to you. And you sit here today, and you're not called to sit here comfortably. You're called to be on fire for Christ. So fan that flame because that flame will give you a boldness to do what you're called to do because you have a higher holy calling that is above all else to serve God and build God's kingdom. And so we see Paul in a prison cell. And he's not thinking about how bad his circumstances are and he's not crying about what God has allowed to happen to him, and he's, he's not worried about himself. You know what he's worried about? Handing the baton to Timothy, who he loves, so that Timothy can continue to build the kingdom, continue on the work. So today, the band's going to come up, and I just want to ask you today one simple thing, and that's this. I want to ask you to fan the flame of the calling that God has put in your life. Fan the flame. I want to ask you to make sure that you're staying in God's word. I want to ask you to surround yourself with other people who are on fire so that you can be on fire for Christ. I want to ask you to let the spirit come into you today and get that fire going. And I want to ask you to walk in to the next leg of the race, to live according to the holy calling that God placed on your life before the beginning of time to serve and build his kingdom. So we're going to fan the flame. And the way we're going to do that is this last song. We're going to focus on Christ. The words of this say, Christ, be the center of my life. If, if we understand our calling comes from Christ, we focus on Christ, that flame is going to grow and we're going to be the church that God called us to be. We're going to be the followers of Christ that we were meant to be. And so why don't you stand with me right now? And I just really want you to sing these words with us. And I want you to fan the flame so you'll be on fire inside. Father, we focus on you now. I pray that that if there's some here today that the fire has kind of dwindled down, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would blow into us and that that fire would ignite and that we would want to serve you with everything, no matter what the cost, no matter what we walk into. I pray, Lord, for each and every one of us that that, that fire inside of us would grow because you have great things for us, Lord. You have a holy calling for us, Lord. So we give ourselves to you now.